Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. We lost Trevor. Trevor has been muted. Oh no, I muted myself. What? Oh, I don't no. know. Yeah, no. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. Let me start this over. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Champions Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming, presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Oh my God! Now that everything's going wrong, this is the cursed episode. It's a cursed episode. This is appropriate for the topic matter. This it really is. It's so. It. This is. is so appropriate. Ah. Uh, but yeah, this is a show presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Uh, every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamanso, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times, as well as how gaming affects us. If you hear this live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. And now that I can't screw up any more things, uh, why don't you two tell everybody who you are so I can stop talking? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, this is so on topic. So I'm Nika Jordan. I am a registered clinical counselor. I practice counseling and psychotherapy in Victoria, BC. Um, and I work with all kinds of humans and I'm neurodivergent and some of my clientele is too. So I think that's the beginning of that song. Mm, yep. Yep. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, uh, I'm Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. I'm a clinical psychologist here in Washington State. And uh, in addition to that, I am a I am the clinical director at what was the first mental health nonprofit to serve the game community. Take this. And you can find instructions on how to find us in the chat at some point. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm also an expert on the applied use of tabletop role-playing games in clinical and learning settings. But on top of that, I am autistic, and we've talked about that very, very much, uh, very frequently on this show. And I, oh, somebody's saying go dogs in the chat. Wrong college. I went to the hippie college where our mascot <laughs> was a gooey duck. <laughs> and I think we had sports ball teams, but... Uh, um. Yeah, so we're gonna yeah we're and this all of these all of these quirks we've had that have happened already today. Let's talk about how appropriate that is for three neurodivergent people on the same stream. We didn't yeah. we didn't do we didn't do the disclaimer. We didn't we didn't do the disclaimer. Do oh my do goodness. Now? I no, we'll, 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 we'll get it. We'll get halfway through the show. Oh my! Yeah. Well, we probably should. Pre the, I, I probably should preface this with, gang, this is not to be considered medical or mental health advice. Okay, you'll get there the full go. disclaimer. Uh, but we, there, we Lauren, Lauren just put it in the chat too. That's awesome. We, Mitra and I, may be mental health professionals, but we're not your mental health professional. So. <laughs> 
God, I wish I could fit that as the tagline of the show. Just I like every that. podcast episode, it just says that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really good. Um, and I'm going to offer an apology to my esteemed colleagues here because I think that one of the challenges with neurodivergence is that uh, disorganization can be catching. It feels like. And I did not help them out this morning. Let's be very, very clear. Well, <laughs> and... It's dominoes. It's like dominoes. Yeah, it really is. It yeah. really is. It really um, is. Absolutely. So, so let, 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 let's start with this. So, so neurodiversity, we've talked, we've brought it up several times. You yeah. talked about it a lot during the, the autism AMA, the ADHD AMA. Yep. And I think I even said during that, like, I, for the longest time, did not know what this word meant. I just saw it on Twitter a lot. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. I I don't have the, I, I didn't think long enough into it to Google it until eventually I did. Funny enough, that was when we started the show. And then I went, oh, hey, I'm one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is me. Um, so, for people who may not understand what it is, what what do we mean when we say neurodivergent, neurodiversity, neurotypical, and all that stuff? Well, um, so neurodiversity and neurodivergence are terms that came out of the 1990s. Um, originally, the I believe neurodivergent was coined in 1998 by anthropologist Judy Singer. And over the course of their usage, they've been utilized um, to differentiate between what are considered natural variations in human neuro neurology and cognition, um, largely to, to indicate things that basically we're born with, things like ADHD, autism, learning disabilities, and in a way that kind of separates them out usually from other, you know, from mental illnesses. So... Uh, the metaphor I like to use is that my autism is my operating system, my depression and my anxiety. That's malware. <laughs> great. I, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That works as a, that works great. <laughs> um, so, so oh, but, yeah, ahead. basically it's, we're all on a, sorry, to, uh, we're all on a different operating system. Those of us who, who are of the neurodiversity label, but uh, use the neurodivergent label, but the, but it means that even those who are neurotypical, those who don't, who aren't autistic, who don't have ADHD, who don't have learning disabilities, you're part of the neurodiversity spectrum too, because all of these are natural variants mm -hmm. of brain think meets. <laughs> And I like that. Yeah, I borrowed a lot of money to use terms like that. Re re renaming episode now. <laughs> Differences in think meets. Think meets. Think meets. But uh, neurodivergence is neurodivergence is really yeah. It's it's largely used to for those of us who are not on the expected operating system. Mm -hmm. Right. The expected operating system being the norm, which is the way we're taught. We're expected to learn a certain way to some degree. And a lot of, I think, money, effort, and research goes into how people learn. Um, but people who are neurodivergent might have not the right operating system to match up to the learning style that a lot of schools have, which is why often ADHD and autism kind of emerge out of the school experience. Mm -hmm. uh, that is to say, it emerges that we have those we are neurodivergent because we're clearly not doing what's expected in the way that it's expected. Yeah. 
I like the way you put that, Mitra, that it's not that we don't have the right operating system. It's that we don't have the right operating system to match our environment. Right. And that's that's a big part of the neurodiversity movement that a lot of our disabilities, and they very much are disabilities, um, and, uh, you know, uh, ha Haggis Buns brings up the, the metaphor I use all the time in that I am a Linux in a Windows world. Intrinsically, yeah. there's nothing wrong with Linux. Yeah, it's quirky, but, um, and it's idiosyncratic, but it the problem that largely exists is that I'm expected to function like a Windows computer. And that mismatch is what creates a huge degree, huge degree of our impairments. Absolutely. Yeah, people have an expectation of how the UI is going to function, and it doesn't. And then nope. the problem is that for those of us with this different UI, we don't even know that there's yeah. another UI out there. So, yeah, nope. <laughs> so when things aren't working out, it's kind of like, why do they not see my point? <laughs> like, yeah. how come they don't get this, <laughs> right? And it's the same for someone who is neurotypical. It's like, how is this so complicated for you? <laughs> Why are you having so much trouble? And so, yeah, so there's just a miscommunication on top of it that mm -hmm. we'd like to get to some of that today, I think. Yeah. 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 And, I, you know, we one of the things that that I think we hope, that I certainly hope, but I think we all hope that people get out of this is that, there are methods for adapting yourself. Hey, neuro neurotypicals, I want to talk to you for a second. Okay. There are ways of adapting your communication styles and your approach to things to help our needs that, I kid you not, will actually benefit your life overall. Okay? And we want to tell you about some of those. All right? We want to help you. you by helping us, you help everybody. You're going to get better at communicating by being better at communicating with us. Yes. It's going to be awesome. I know. We're like, we're like, what are we? We're like uh, grad level communication or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can do this, peeps. <laughs> We've had to do it. You can do it too. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Uh, so, so, so where do you want to start with, uh, with this? We we have a long list of things, and I don't think we uh, specifically ordered them in any particular way, which does again very much fit this. <laughs> this is how we operate. Yeah, we there, are. We there is talk? a method here, but we may not even understand it. <laughs> I know, I know, and yet here we are trying to explicate oh, some of it no. for you. What? No, no, I reorganized them. You oh, did? did you? I did. Who oh, knew? <laughs> I totally well no and so let's so actually this this is why Dr. B is so much better at the show than well, me true I because we come to the meetings and we're like all right we're all in on this and then we stop thinking about it Dr. B is up late at night and like research and stuff reorganizing notes and well, Mitra and I are playing Animal Crossing well I know see I was totally feeling called out but then I have to admit He's nailed it, and that's concerning to me. <laughs> well, no. So this, this, so I actually ended up reordering these things in terms of broadest and what I thought was the like highest priority to in a narrative mm. flow. And you're bringing, you're you're going right into this. Oh, I, and, I am. Oh and my gosh. There's 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 a couple of things that we need to highlight, and that's one. 
that has come out of my dealings personally with the neurodivergent crowd is that differences in behavior don't necessarily mean it's bad. Okay? There's a big difference between good and normal. Normal is a numbers game. Good is a functionality and moral thing. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times... Our differences, why, why, why not? They may not be normal in a statistical sense for a given situation. They may be quite functional, just different than what you expected. And one of the things I've noticed in the neurodiversity community is we're quicker to, hey, explore that and just, you know, hey, I noticed this behavior for you. Is that helping you? Is that a functional thing? Okay, cool. And then letting it go. Whereas yeah, there's in a school, broader range yes. that's acceptable or yes. accepted and understood because we kind of know we have quirks, if you will, or ways of being that are a little bit different ourselves. And so that grace is extended to people around us. Right. And, you know, we, we our, our pre-production meetings are a perfect example of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we, we, we got to record those and just put them up somewhere. <laughs> one of these days. One of these yep. days. But well, the bonus material. I, an example I'll give is that a dynamic that often emerges in our pre-production meeting, and I, I say this with, I, I want to say this without malice or prejudice or anything, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. And there's a lot of executive functioning challenges amongst the three of us, and tangents happen. Oh yeah, all the time. Oh yeah, tangents happen, and yeah. often when the tangents happen, I will visibly look like I'm not paying attention, mm. and I'm staring off into space. But in fact, I am listening hard and distilling everything I'm hearing and typing it in our production notes to yep. use for the show. And when the tangent is over. I will turn and I will say, so here's what I heard. I will give a summary. And Mitra and Trevor are often like, yes, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and like the wild thing for me about that is we never had a discussion about that. There was never like, all right, you two talk and I'm just going to listen and type it. Like, that's just what happened. Yeah. And nor did we question, um, uh, Dr. B, when you looked away or looked, or looked like you're zoning out, because I can't see your keyboard and I can't see what you're doing. But at no point did Trevor and I go, is he even listening? Like, it didn't occur to us to no, worry no. about that. Right. But that's something I, I'm sure we all heard in school all oh, the yeah. time. All, because all the we time. weren't giving, you know, we were doing something quirky as a way of listening. Yeah. And, and you know, like I said, my experience with the neurodiversity crowd is that those quirks in behavior are more, tend to be more accepted when they are functionally helpful. Mm-hmm. And functionally helpful looks different from a neurotypical perspective than it does from neurodivergence. Mm -hmm. So what's functionally helpful for me is sometimes to doodle in the margins. This was mm -hmm. a big one when I was at school. Mm -hmm. um, what's functionally helpful might be to knit during a lecture or mm -hmm. something. But, yep. you know, people would definitely think you weren't paying attention. Um, yep. Not recognizing that simple re repetitive movement where I don't actually have to focus on what I'm doing actually mm -hmm. helps me uh, think. I use my hands a lot. You can't always mm -hmm. see that because it's off camera. But uh, oh, definitely... mo most of the time when we're when we're here, I, I have a fidget cube. Like I'm, 
I'm doing something and I'm focusing on what I'm doing on there while Wait, listening to That everything. looks like the original brand and not one of it the knockoffs. It is the original brand. Oh, yeah. the original brand's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the knockoffs are a problem. The, and and but I remember in in elementary school that um a teacher's aide once like saw me fidgeting and everything and she was like I just want to try something and she handed me two rubber bands she went just mess with those just like play with them with your hands and I did and I paid attention so much better to what was going on when she yeah. did that mm -hmm. yeah absolutely it's sort of that little bit extra that prevents you from zoning out because mm -hmm. otherwise it's really easy to zone out and it's interesting to note that I actually don't have a problem when I'm with clients Mm. I can move, go. I, generally, when I'm with clients, even if I'm not medicated, I'm 100% paying attention. And I think this actually made it a little bit challenging um, because I wasn't diagnosed until later. So um, I, I wasn't taking medication or really thinking much about uh, how scattered or how difficult other aspects of my life were like. Because when I was with clients, I was just super focused on, on them. And, and mm -hmm. I could also... I had the, because of the hyperfocus, I had the capacity to also pick up all of the other stuff that was going on. So I'm not just listening to your words, but I'm kind of picking up broadly yeah. what's happening in your body, what's happening in my body, what's it feeling mm -hmm. like over here? Am I noticing tension in my body around what you're saying? What's that like for you, I'm wondering? So there's a whole series of thoughts that are actually going through my head as I'm listening that do not change my capacity to listen. So I think that's why hyperfocus is so confusing for people. But it has a great deal to do with how much stimulation is present. And mm -hmm. I think to some degree how uh, engaged, involved, and stimulated we are. We're all, this happens with different things for each of us. So if I was in a physics class, for example, uh, <clears throat> if I even <laughs> found myself in such an environment, uh, <laughs> It's Those kind of facial a form expressions of hell. Like, I just What's be like, physics? <laughs> right? Whereas someone else with hyperfocus might be like, yeah, that's where I'm yeah. truly engaged, right? Yeah. Well, it's uh, a special interest thing, and that's, I mean, yeah. that's a, so. Uh, I I think aside from the idea that you know we hope, hey, neurotypicals, what's up? Um, different doesn't always mean bad. Take that as a lesson. Investigate Please. these differences. Um, in fact, they can sometimes like be you, helpful. I'm a, I got I got to explain this for audio listeners. Y'all missed the hand wave of disgust. Like <laughs> yeah. Italian hip, you just disgust. You see this? Discuss. It's coffee talk. <laughs> coffee I'll talk. give you a subject. Uh, but <laughs> Duran Duran, neither a Duran nor a Duran. Discuss. <laughs> we just showed our age, but. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that one almost <laughs> killed me. Oh, but the I think another one of the points that we wanted to make is that those differences, um, those differences, they can be valuable, and oh, yeah. our strengths and our weaknesses can be the same thing in different circumstances. Those circumstances are important. Mm -hmm. In in the same way as a role playing game party. You don't throw the wizard, the level one yeah. wizard, on the front line of combat because the house cat's taking him down. <laughs> yes. Not 100%. a dire house cat. No. Nah. Sniffles Normal. the tabby. Yeah. It's also because he's allergic. 
Um, <laughs> His name is Stripes, and he's not actually tough, but. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that 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 is a hundred percent true. Like the like like Mitra was saying, like there may be one kid with ADHD in a physics class that absolutely cannot, for the life of them, pay attention during that class, and there is another one where physics is their jam. Oh my yeah. gosh, they want to know how long it's going to take for something to fall and hit the ground so badly. And that like they're they're completely into it. Mm-hmm. And and that one I always found in in school was so rough because I would have those class. I was that kid. I loved physics. I thought physics was cool. Yeah. Um, hated physics. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Couldn't stand but it. And also people-based math, subjects I'm there. Going. Yes, like, like, like exactly. I, I love I love science, like mm-hmm. like chemistry class. I I could draw out the molecules from memory and stuff like that. And my and I'd have a teacher who's like, well, why can you do this and not that? And it was never like, man, <gasps> you nail that. Oh. It was always, you're good at this. Why aren't you good at that? And I'm like, right? I don't know. <laughs> okay. It's so frustrating. That is the worst one. And also, also supposing you did really well at something that was super hard for you, right? Yeah. And then and then you're like. I got an A. And then your folks are like, well, now, don't rest on your laurels. Excuse me? Cool. I expect that from now on. I'm like. (sighs) Right? Because it's like, but we know you always had it in you because you were good at thing X. So how come, you know, you can't just like pull this out for thing Y. I'm like, I don't know. I hate the you always had it in you. Ah, I know. I know. Neurotypicals. We need to talk. Don't say it. (laughs) (laughs) I so wish there was a camera too so that you could see them. I do have a camera too. I could make that happen, except this is all really messy on this angle. But anyway, no, neurotypicals. Okay. The idea of being smart and not smart as a binary is BS. All right. Yeah. Okay. I literally am trained to give IQ tests for a living. And I will tell you, there's a... that number is useful for what it's useful for, but it's really limited in what it's useful for. So, um, and there's also a lot of cultural implications and a lot of asterisks to go with it. So anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, you are good at one thing and you should be good at another thing. Again, total BS. Think of a role-playing game party. You don't expect the wizard to do a lot of athletics. Okay. Apply that to other people in your life. We have different abilities. Let's go back to talk to the rest of them. Yeah, no that that is that is definitely one that uh, irks me. Gets gets me going. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even feel it's actually to it, doing any neurotypicals any favors to have this idea that you know you've got um, you have to be good at everything or you should have multiple strengths because actually no one does and we all know I, that. No, I will say though, like the friends that I had, like neurotypical friends that that could do that stuff were just like, oh yeah, no, I'm juggling these AP classes and all this stuff. I'm just like, you're a freaking wizard. I could do one of those AP classes if it interests me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the limiting factor that's been so difficult in my own struggle with it is this whole idea of if it interests me, which then yeah. the implication of that is that I must be horribly lazy if I can only oh, do those God. things which interest me no. as if it's, you know, based on my whims or something when really that's not it at all. Well, there, I mean, there, there's a thing that gets thrown around, and I'm kind of middle of the road in my opinion of it. Of it's just like ADHD and and stuff being a superpower, and and I'm oh, like, please. and I'm and I'm and and I know it, it irks a lot of people, and I'm very middle of the road of it, and I'm like, yeah. it would be a superpower if I could control it. Yes. If if I could direct my hyperfixation to 
the thing that I needed to do at any given moment, yeah, I would be a freaking superhero. It would be ridiculous. If I could have the knowledge I have of Star Wars and moved that over to literally any school <laughs> subject. My God. I know. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so, so somehow there's this idea, you know, educators, parents, people who are loving and caring and not necessarily knowledgeable in the least about what we experience have this idea that, ooh, well, let's leverage this capacity that you have to this thing over here. Surely you can do that because, you know, it's kind of an underlying capacity, right? And you should no! be able to. And it's not. That's the thing we're trying to get across here. It's really not about a capacity. It's not that I have this gift for focusing on a thing and I can just take that focus like, sure, I want to go there. there. I, 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 it doesn't I gotta, work I like that. The, I got to call it this comment, uh, the chat. Star Wars. Uh, Undim one it says AD, ADD and ADHD equal wild magic sorcerer. Yes, <laughs> chaos, man. It's total chaos. Yes, it really is. It really is. But oh. the, no, this underlying ability, that this underlying idea that we all have, if you have an ability in one area, you have an ability in another area. That is no. It is that is destructive, honestly. Because yeah. let me take this into a fairly neurotypical, because I speak it nearly fluently uh <laughs> enough so that i infiltrate their ranks on a regular basis <laughs> uh but a, a, a common example is think about of Amer uh, american football okay i am in no way shape or form going to expect a defensive lineman to be the quarterback mm, yeah and if you think that just because someone has football aptitude they can play any position you are going to have a real lousy team because <laughs> I dare yeah. you to put your kicker as an offensive lineman. I dare you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let, let's go ahead, take our break for a disclaimer that I know I didn't get played at the beginning. Audio <laughs> listeners, you heard it. You heard it. But uh, yeah, we're, we're going to take a quick moment to remind viewers and listeners of our disclaimer, and then we'll be back to talk more about this. See you in a bit. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I am unmuted. Hi, I had to check this time. Um, so... Before before we continue, I do want to remind people that are here with us in chat, you can drop your questions in there, and our uh, awesome mods, uh, our, uh, Jay and Mars, are going to grab them, put them in doc to talk about at the end, if we have enough time for. But before that, uh, you, you brought up communication earlier as, as one of the lessons. Um, what, what specifically about communication do you want to bring up? Mm. I'd like to talk a little bit about divergent tangents and divergent thinking. Um, and, by, and by which I mean going off on a variety of tangents so that a conversation can actually look a little bit like a maze. Um, so to be clear, because I realize I'm not being, this is very ADHD. Anyway, <clears throat> to be clear, 
It goes like this. I'm telling a story about an event, and I bring up various things. I go off on tangents. I say, so yeah. So then I noticed he was wearing a knapsack, and it was one of those leather ones, and he had no room for a bottle in it, or he'd spilt something. And and the person who's listening to this story was attending to the idea of the guy who was going down the road doing the thing, and suddenly we've diverted into the knapsack. And this is super confusing for them. They're like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we were talking about the thing that he was doing, and now we're talking about his backpack gear. Like, what is happening in this conversation, even? <laughs> right? And for yeah. me, this is all lining up because the thing eventually relates to the spilled ink in the backpack, and I'll come back to that, and, you know, I'll tie it all up for you in the end. But meanwhile, I'm taking you on a little journey that you didn't necessarily sign up for. And that's mm -hmm. why it's so confusing, because you thought I was going to get to the point, which I was, but I was going to get to the point by going in a whole bunch of different circles uh, and other shapes, kind of like one of those family circus cartoons, you know, where Billy goes all over the place and there's squiggles and lines. And eventually <laughs> he makes it to wherever he was going to go. But, you know, it's not like a direct route. You see all the hands. Are coming oh, yeah. Out. But so this is something that if you are also neurodivergent and I have friends like this where we are weaving together these stories and these tapestries and they're lining up for us. But mm -hmm. if you're talking to a person who is not neurodivergent and is maybe closer to or actually neurotypical, they might be like, man, conversation is tough here. I have no idea where we're going and why. And mm -hmm. it's like this major conversational leap of faith. It's just really tough for a lot yeah. of people who don't know what's happening. And One they're the tough for the neurodivergent person who's telling the story and has <laughs> no idea often, why is this not landing the way I intended to? Anyway. You know who did a great comic about that? About mm -hmm. exactly that? Mm -hmm. uh, Danny Donovan of ADHD Comics. And you've oh. I, I bet you've seen it with the yeah. credit removed many times because it has gone around. But it is, uh, it, it's a fantastic thing. If you don't follow Danny Donovan at ADHD Comics, uh, she's amazing. Um, is that the one with the maze? And like the ones, a... you know, how normal people tell a story. And how you I know, tell Beginning, story. conclusion, yeah. and then just. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Danny. I've seen that, and I, I did not know it was Danny, so thank you. You're right. That one often gets uh, spread around without the credits, and that's yeah. a shame. It bothers um, me, because Danny's a sweetie. Bothers me, what, yeah. What? One of my favorite things, because one of my best friends uh, also has ADHD, and the communication of this is always interesting. Because like one of one of the times that always stands out to my in my head is like we quizzed each other. It's like one day we were driving, and uh, and my buddy was talking about, uh, or I was talking about Spider Man One, and then uh, we said something, stopped talking. There's a little bit of a lull in the conversation, and he goes, "Man, it's too bad the Walking Dead show wasn't that good." <laughs> And I was just like, hold on, hold on. I bet I can follow your thinking. Hang on, hang on. Uh, Spider-Man 1, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe was in uh, Boondock Saints with uh, Norman Reedus, who was in Walking Dead. And that's how you got to that show not being very good. Three degrees. Goes, exactly. Three degrees. <laughs> that's Boom. right. That is very Boom. common with divergent thinking that we're talking about. Is this kind of like these, um, often people think of it as a right brain thing, you know, where you've got like, all these different connections that don't seem to make a lot of sense, but also do. They do to us. That's right. That's right. And the other one that I think is important to bring up is, um, say you come in, not to, not as a client, but you're a friend of mine and you come by and you're just like, 
oh man, I had such a hard day. Um, and then I'll make some kind of other cultural reference that has nothing to do with the hard day, but has everything to do with it. You know, I might start singing hard days, night, or something ridiculous that like, and, and to them that's funny and they get it. And to someone else, it can feel like it's disrespectful. Like I'm not attending to what's happening for them. I also right. speak fairly fluent neurotypical. So I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. It's kind of the default for me. But if I'm talking to someone else who's neurodivergent, I might handle it quite differently. And we're weaving a bizarre tapestry that makes a great deal of sense to us, but not to anyone else. <laughs> well, and that's another thing is that it's a different communicate. There are different communication styles involved mm -hmm. and often um, associative self-disclosures as a way of relating. And this is some people in neurotypical communities consider that rude because it's refocusing the conversation on you. Whereas um, in most neurodivergent circles that I operate in, the idea, uh, the idea that you making a tangentially related self-disclosure shows that you are listening and in fact trying to relate Yes. to That's that right. person yeah. as opposed yeah. to asking open-ended questions, which is often, especially in North American, uh, the U.S. and the, in Canada especially, uh, that's considered the default to show nonverbal sign of interest. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I, I had to train myself to ask those open-ended questions to speak your language. I can speak it, people, all right? <laughs> I can do it. It just costs me spell slots. <laughs> Definitely yes. cost spell slots, yeah. Yes. Although I have to say it's less exhausting for me when I'm with clients than it is any other time, which mm -hmm. is interesting. But I think that's because the hyperfocus is sort of is sort of that mm -hmm. lovely wave that's you know just I'm just sliding along with that, and it's really pretty mm -hmm. good. But yeah, I I do find I used to at times get accused in my personal life, not with my partner, luckily he really gets it, but uh, certainly with some friends. The idea that why must you insert yourself into this story? And it's like, well, I was just relating to you. Like you were talking mm -hmm. about your grandmother and I sort of mentioned the thing that had happened with mine. And I just thought we were kind of like building this thing yeah. together. Yeah. And we're connecting. And they're like, no, I was telling you about this. And I just needed you to just hear me. Mm -hmm. um, so. The... It... So what I what I will say to that is that for there there's been a great misconception about autism and empathy and yeah. perspective taking over the last, you know, many decades and it's th that we can't we can't experience empathy we do um often greatly um especially if we we have a personal hook to hang it on and I I will speak for myself that often those self-disclosures of my own experiences are ways of cognitively adjusting my perspective to see where it lines up with yours so I can, in fact, give that empathy. Um, it's I, I, I recently heard the distinction emotional versus cognitive empathy, and for uh, somebody, I, I, I need to look into this further, but the mm. idea that cognitive empathy is often easier for those of us on the spectrum than, than what other people think of as mm. emotional empathy, but even that gets complicated. Um, one thing I do I do want to bring up with communication styles. I've, I've I'm taking you I'm taking y'all aside a lot, but neurotypicals. Let's talk again. That do you know how much implied communication you use? Oh my god! Do you know how many things you expect me to understand that you don't say? Like, will you take out the garbage? And I will say yes because I will take it out. But you somehow have an implied timeline 
<laughs> that you didn't say. Yep. Stop it. <laughs> okay? Cut that out. Or just tell us the timeline. Did you mean in 10 minutes? Do you need it done now? <laughs> Be clear about that. If you don't, then don't expect me to do it until I am ready to. I, I, I had someone at a job one time get really irritated with me about this, and they, and they did one of the more insulting things, and they said, do I need to explain this to you like you're five? And I came back then with, better, explain to me like I'm four. I need help doing this. <laughs> well, and it's, yeah. it's infantilizing, that language. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I have often, yeah. often experienced that. Right? And I, yeah. yeah. Because, Especially, I, oh, yeah. no, sorry. No, 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 you were on a roll. Oh, okay. I'm just, I, I'm going to get a bottle of adult beverage or something, kick up my feet, <laughs> like, let's talk. <laughs> Dr. B is irritated. Oh, wow. That's usually my thing. I love this. <laughs> well, but there's, there are, there are a lot, uh, and there are regions where this is culturally more prevalent as well uh, as in the United States. Like the Midwest and the Deep South, there is so much implied communication that I don't function well in those areas. Um, whereas my friends from New York, Philadelphia, Boston, oh, we get along great because yes. they are upfront, <laughs> super direct. They are so upfront, and yes. if they say something, they mean it, and that's just how it is. If but they don't say it, they didn't mean it. Sorry, it's true. Right. If it's unsaid, they didn't. They didn't mean to imply it. Right. They're just up front. They're just up front about all that. Whereas other um, other folks like it, my ex-wife was from the Midwest and I had a lot of difficulties interacting with her sometimes and my ex-in-laws because there were these implied rules of communication that I didn't understand. Like um, if somebody were to say, hey, Raphael, where would you like to eat? Uh, it was a social faux pas for me to actually just say where I would like to eat, despite the fact that they asked me directly. Because I'm not considering other people's other people's wants and needs. And then I would get confused because y- you literally just asked me. If you want to know where everybody would like to eat, why not ask where, <laughs> where would everybody like to eat? And then we can all say our needs and then we can negotiate based on those needs. But apparently, no. Here's the thing. Just hearing you say that, I'm getting exhausted. So I want you to understand, neurotypicals, lean in. This is exhausting for those of us who aren't neurotypical to understand what the issue is here. Like, I, I, I now understand why a group of teenagers when I was in high school looked at me weird when we were out and someone said, Trevor, what do you want to eat? And I said, that's a weird thing to ask when there's a bunch of other people here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that oh now makes uh, sense why everyone looked at me weird. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's all of these that like, um, I mentioned this in the autism AMA that generally speaking where I, my autism is absolutely most apparent is in romantic relationships Mm. because even for those of us who are neurodivergent, we were taught neurotypical dating rules. Oh God. Yeah, I know. No, that's a whole show (laughs) unto itself, but (laughs) the exhaustion of that. Um, but there, there are these nonverbal things, cues, bids for, attention that i often missed oh god yeah 
things like, would you like to go to the farmer's market? No, I'm good. When what she was saying, I would like to go to the farmer's market and I would like you to come with me. There were two requests in that question about my preference. I, I had three uh, different women at, uh, post high school uh, ask me why I never showed interest in them when they always showed interest in me. And I went, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wh- huh? Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I hated the game playing. I hated the stuff that you were told you were supposed to do as a woman. And I hated it for two reasons. First of all, I grew up in a completely different culture where, again, much was implicit, which I didn't grasp. And that was difficult enough as it was. But I could kind of see what other people were doing. So there's this whole piece around being able to at least mimic and follow along. Mm -hmm. Right. But I remember finding it really frustrating. But anyway, there's that. In that culture, as a woman, you never ask a person out. First of all, no one asks anyone out. There was still a lot of arranged marriage going on at the time, right? Mm. Um, and so then, um, if you like someone, you don't actually ever tell them. You might have a little disgust with your friends about it. You might have crushes, but that's as far as it could go. So there wasn't a lot of dating experience there, but there were some real rules around um, love and how it came about. And it had to do with the guy doing the things right taking charge or you know maybe your family's got you together but my family knew that none of this was going to apply to me um not being fully part of that culture and just kind of growing up there but from a formative perspective that's confusing anyway along comes me in canada at 16 and i am thoroughly confused about what the rules are because there still are these ideas that women aren't supposed to ask people out, that you're supposed to wait to be asked, that you're supposed to presumably be somewhat flirtatious, but you're not too flirtatious. You're supposed to be a little bit direct to show that maybe you won't reject someone should they ask, but you know, not too direct. And all of this was incredibly puzzling. And then, and then, if you do go out with someone, God forbid you should say you like them and you'd like to see them again. And what do you do at the door because if you kiss them, you're a little bit on the forward side back then. And if you don't kiss them, then, you know, what do you do with your hands? You know, <laughs> everything. What, what do like, I do with my hands? What do I do with them? Do I clasp them politely in front of me in a prim sort of way? Do I fiddle with my bag and my keys? Like, I don't know. It was all a minefield. And then, should you sort of like someone and maybe have been a little, shall we say, forward, then what if they don't like you? Could it be race? Mm. Could it be something else? Could it be, you know, could it be that I speak funny? Could it be that they don't want to take me home to their mom? I don't know. Super confusing. Then uh, they the say way, they'll call you. I need to stop now, but I think we get no, no, the no. idea. I, I, and they hey, don't for, call you. Should you call if, them? Anyway. <laughs> if this, if you are listening to this and this is not your experience and it seems like this is a lot of effort, it is. And it this is, goes on 25 hours a day, eight days a week. <laughs> You never get over it. It's you really hard. You can't shut it off. No. Yeah. And so when my husband called me the day after we met, and this is, of course, before he's my husband. Let's be clear. I'm not that crazy. But, you know, and he said, so I was chatting to my best friend, and he thought I ought to play it cool. Don't fuck. Sorry. Don't mess this up. Swear um, to <laughs> That's okay. She stopped you know, herself. It's fun. I did. I did. And, uh, and so don't mess this up. Play it cool. So he calls me, and he says, so I was told not to mess this up and to play it cool, but I didn't feel like doing that. And I'm like, oh, thank God. 
Oh, thank, thank God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because, mm-hmm. like, yes. Now, please, please, I'm so glad you didn't play pool. I'm not like, I don't like games. I don't even know how to play them. I play games. I love playing games, but not those kind. Rules, where rules are clear. Not yeah. these kind. Okay. Impossible. I, I, I have a uh, I have a, a, a comment from chat that I, I feel <laughs> very much ties into this, but then also is a good way to transfer us over to taking some questions. So this is uh, from uh, 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 Great. Gray L shaped. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, I once uh, asked the woman who eventually married me uh, as we uh, were out to dinner, "Are we dating?" Her response was, "F no, we're just hanging out." A few months later, again out to dinner, she said, "Crap, we are dating." <laughs> I love it. That's really good. I really love that. But before we go to questions, really quickly, uh, mm-hmm. one of the we you know we can be here ranting about this, but one, I want to be really clear to those of you who for, for whom this is not your experience. Learning to communicate flexibly and in a way that is more direct can benefit you. My 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 boss has repeatedly said that learning to communicate with me with the level of detail that I need has helped her communicate better with a lot of people because she has to learn to watch what she's assuming the other person knows. Mm-hmm. And so learning to communicate with us, it will, it, it's going to, it's probably going to help you in other areas of life. Definitely. And I have to say, we can be implicit in our communication, too. And I'm mm-hmm. clear, that doesn't, that doesn't yeah. help either. I want to briefly get to the vast galaxy that my sense of time is. <laughs> <laughs> because this is not uncommon for people with ADHD. And I think it's one of the most frustrating things, <sighs> that if you're neurotypical and you have a partner or friend or child who's ADHD, you really struggle with this. And that is that we don't have a good sense of time, generally. No. Nope. Um, and in fact, yeah. and I want to say it's such an effort to have a good sense of time, to even bring ourselves up to anything approaching normal level, that I'd like people who are neurotypical to really understand that when I'm five minutes late, I'm a fucking rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that time. <laughs> Swear jar! I'm so sorry that when I'm five minutes late, I'm a rock star. (laughs) And I know that's hard for you to understand. Um, And it's a monumental effort that I am actually on time for my clients, but like, Mm -hmm. and and weddings and things like that that are super important. But as my partner will happily tell anyone, like, there's definitely work done here. And it used Mm -hmm. to be much, much worse years ago. But this is a thing, right? And for for someone who has and is struggling with uh, ADHD in particular, and I think perhaps for some people who are on the ASD spectrum or autism spectrum as well, this is really difficult. Like, you can just get caught up in hyperfocus and time has no meaning and it's really, really difficult to corral yourself and to manage mm-hmm. your time well. And it's one of the major things that we struggle with. So, Yeah. Uh, what what was the, was the we joked about it in the meeting and then yesterday Doctor B tweeted that it. it was like oh it's only a twenty minute workout but I only have two hours. <laughs> well, because we we not only struggle with um 
what's called time blindness, where we are terrible estimators of how much time things will yeah. take. We also, yeah. a lot of us struggle with what's called set switching. And that's the ability. Nobody actually does multiple things at the same time, multitasking. They're just really good at what's switching mental sets yeah. very, very quickly. That's what multitasking is. And by and large, those of us uh, with autism, uh, those of us who are autistic, and those of us with ADHD, really bad at switching sets. Mm -hmm. task switching i yeah. I, I my out i woke up at 6 30 in the morning yesterday slept until seven debated if i had enough time to do my hour-long workout and realized because i had to be work at 10 o'clock i didn't have time yeah yep yep yeah and that what? may sound ridiculous to someone who isn't neurodivergent and there are so many internal messages around uh -huh. how i should be able to do this better uh -huh. right yeah Oh um, yeah, and that's very difficult for anyone who's who's uh, dealing with this. I, I think I think I've told this story before, but like I think the one of the times that stands out in my childhood memory of time just not operating correctly was Christmas Day. There was a candy bar I really wanted to have, but I had a lot of candy already, and my mom was like, "No, you have to wait to have this. You can have this at ten forty-five. And it was ten o'clock when she said that, and I swear to God, that forty-five minutes is still going. Yeah. Like it was the longest time of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, we 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 gotta, we gotta start wrapping up. Uh, so let, let's get a few questions in here. Uh, let's see. Um, well, this one. Uh, so tabletop Santa put a uh, question. Uh, could you discuss the differences between TTRPGs as therapy and being versus being therapeutic? And mm -hmm. do you think that there uh, that it is fair to the DM and other players if a player tries to make the gaming session a therapy session? We actually did an episode. Yeah, on we this. did. We, we did. did on that. I will really um, briefly say: um, don't therapize your friends. Don't force them into transformative experiences. It is it. damaging it. potentially. Nor is it fair no for a player to try to turn it into any kind of therapy session because that's a breach of boundaries. And, you know, it's not like everybody's consented to that. And more important, it's not like you have a helping contract with that player if you're the DM. And by helping yep. contract, I mean a form you sign saying, yes, I agree to therapy, which doesn't happen in other cases. So yep. don't do it. Yep. Uh, Chark uh, 151 says neurodivergent followed by neuroinsurgent and neurolegiant. Uh, and that's, I thought of that every time I've seen neurodivergent and I'm so glad you put that in there. Oh my God. Every time I've, I'm just like, yeah, the third the one's going to get broken up into two and it's never going to come out. It's going to be real weird. Wait, wait uh, hold on. I'm missing the reference here. Oh, the, there's a book called uh, Divergent. The sequel is in, uh, Insurgent, and then the third oh, one is Allegiant. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I believe it, it was those another... came out after my time for the yeah, young adult just literature. Games. Yeah, it was that was really good. Um, okay, uh, this is uh, Lordig 100. So, question: If the uh, expectations in the environment changes, uh, oh, could the definition of uh, depression change? Then I'm not a hundred percent sure what that means. I'm not either. Um, yeah. I think, it, it, I think it, there's a difference between feeling sad and clinical depression. So oh, yeah. Sometimes, oh, okay. sometimes if the expectations in the environment change um, and we feel a little freer, we yeah, maybe we won't feel quite as um, stuck or, or, or sad, you know, if something's going on. But that is very different than clinical depression. So yeah, I would very. say clinical depression probably won't change, but maybe if the circumstances or expectations in an environment where I'm feeling pressure, for example, change, then the, mm -hmm. I wouldn't feel quite as challenged or stuck in my environment. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. 
that helps. Um, uh, next, the person with uh, one of my favorite Twitch names of all time, Rat with Wings. Uh, <laughs> Rat with Wings, what's up? Not even a number it's in there. It's so you descriptive, got, you got the it's perfect. perfect name, yeah. Uh, oh boy, try telling uh, people that uh, you have ADHD and the response is, but you're so smart. Ah! Oh, God. No! Oh, oh, no. oh God! Yeah, it has Please. nothing to do Stop. with it. Nothing to do with it. Okay, okay, hold on. I'm gonna di I'm gonna dive into the computer metaphor again. Okay, okay. So I know because of my testing that I did, I had to do for my autism. I know what my scores are, and that's irrelevant for the metaphor. But I have strengths and I have weaknesses. Okay, mm -hmm. and in the common factors of cognitive ability that they look that they measure. Here's how I make this metaphor work, okay? My brain, okay, for graphics processing, we're talking like twin-linked 3090s, okay? For my hard drive, like an eight terabit, uh, terabyte solid state, okay? It's really great. Problem is I'm running a Pentium 2, and I got a half gig of RAM, okay? So I have extreme, literally, and I'm trying not, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag here, but I am actually gifted in certain ways. I am a, tw I'm a twice exceptional gifted kid, but in other ways, I will run into walls if I'm not supervised. And I have done so. <laughs> I've gotten very good at patching them up. Uh, yeah, and I put my head this through a wall. Is, this is, this is just it, right? It's like, yes, people can see the capacity in some ways, but they're not recognizing the challenges to that capacity. And so there's an assumption that it's like, you've got this treasure box, but you're refusing to spend any. Why you hoard your treasure? And it's like, dude, mm -hmm. I can't, like, it's not like that easy to unlock. It's like the key's like way up there and I don't have a ladder and it's just really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You will find uh, with neurodivergent people, generally, we do fall into metaphor real well. And this, again, mm -hmm. is another thing that can be confusing for people in terms of conversation. Or vi or visual uh, visual yeah. analogs or yeah, yeah. expressing through art and music. I, I actually remember one person I worked with who they quoted music lyrics to really express their feelings, and they did so so eloquently. Otherwise, they couldn't actually say much about what they were feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they had a way through, which is beautiful. Yep. But yeah. Um. Well, a lot of the questions that we have now, I think we would spend longer than the uh, mm. few minutes we have before we need to hop out of here for Bardic Inspiration. Mm -hmm. So I think that is where we're going to wrap it up. I'm sorry if I didn't get to your question in there, uh, but uh, I feel like we had a lot of good conversations uh, regardless. Uh, Dr. B. Mitra, where can people find you on the interwebs if they would like to do so? Uh, I'm easily found on my website, which is MitraJordan.com. And, of course, on Twitter, my handle is right here, at MitraJordan. Um, I will warn you, I'm not super responsive with social media, but I will respond. I do check my DMs and so forth. And that's about it for me. This guy, on the other hand, is very easy to... Eh, to I'm around. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I think I need to have the, the Krieger from uh, from Archer gif of, eh, I'm around with my head superimposed or something. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, you can find me on all the socials at the Dr. B. That's T-H-E-E-D-O-C-T-O-R-B as in boy. Um, I've got my own Twitch channel that we often do hanging out and study body doubling sessions, though we're starting to do some more fun collaborative stuff certain days. Um, I'm found at Take This 
uh, takethis.org's stream every other Monday. And I, I do other stuff. I've got a bunch of speaking gigs. I show up when I'm told to. <laughs> uh, you can find me on the Difficulty Podcast uh, as well as Champions of Lore, which is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on twitch.tv slash CNE Games. Uh, thank you to Jay and Mars for moderating the chat and doing a fantastic job as always. Uh, and thank you to Codename Entertainment and Take This for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. Uh, if you miss any part of the show, you can catch it later. Not at uh, two. I gotta take a break uh but eventually later today you'll find it as a podcast on your favorite podcast service um and uh if you have any suggestions for future topics that you'd like to hear us talk about you can send those into champions of psychology at codenameentertainment.com or if that's too long for you just tweet them at us uh, <laughs> <That was laughs> for those of <laughs> for those of uh, you that is that are live with us right now stay right where you are bardic inspiration is going to pick up right after this at 1 p.m uh, uh and uh yeah then we got a full week of our normal streams going on got champions of lore tomorrow um mars's guiding hand sketching hour all the fun stuff so be sure to you know turn on the notifications give us a follow make sure you're, you're watching our stuff because it's fun and you get free chess i mean come on it's good stuff <laughs> but uh that is gonna do it for this week's episode so until next week take care of yourself bye everyone Bye. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.